0: You are the Yoda of abdominal tumors. The right amount of drunk
1: for this. This is
2: real life, folks. I have been so geeky this week, you guys.
3: This is serious business.
1: Greetings. Russ Cole got sucked into that wormhole after all, so grab a drink because this is serious business. I am Jeff, your host for this week's episode, and today, it's day, not night, which is unique for us during a recording session. Uh, We are going to be talking about Interstellar, Christopher Nolan's new movie, which, uh... You know, it's getting pretty solid reviews, it's got a bit of hype, a lot of mystery surrounding it, pretty cool trailer, etc. But we've all seen it, so uh, be warned, there will be spoilers in our discussion, of course. And joining me for this episode, we've got Rob. Rob, how's it going?
0: It's going well, Jeff.
1: Glad to hear it. Peachy. Uh, peachy? Peachy. Wow. Just
0: peachy? Uh, yeah. It's yeah, it not also No. Oh. No, not keen. Mm-hmm. Definitely not keen.
1: All right, thank God. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Rob, if you had to choose between living in a land of endless ice, a land of endless ocean, or a land of endless desert, which would you pick, and why?
0: Ugh.
1: Oh, they all suck. <laughs>
0: yeah, they are. That's this. There's there's no winners here. Uh, do I have supplies or anything?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's assume that you you know if you if you choose winter, you got all your winter stuff. If you okay. choose desert, you've got you know, enough water to get by, but not, like, you know, a ton of water or anything.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm so nostalgic for, like, fall and winter weather here in L.A. I'm mm-hmm. leaning towards the ice planet just because, I don't know, it might feel festive for a while.
1: <laughs> That's true. Then, uh, the winter wonderland effect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go with that.
1: Uh, And what, if anything, are you drinking this fine? Uh, I guess it's morning for you still.
0: Yeah, it's kind of early here, so I'm drinking uh, life-giving ginger ale. (laughs) Mm, Good call.
1: So moving on, we got Kristen. Kristen, how's it going? It's going well. Glad to hear it. So, Kristen, if you were forced to choose between ice, desert, and water, which would you pick to endlessly uh, make up your planet?
2: Uh, The sweet release of death.
1: (laughs) Uh, well, I guess that's sort of fair. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I could twist this question around and say, like, which would be the most torture, <laughs> if, probably, if you prefer? Probably the water. Water would be the worst? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sucked. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Kristen, what, if anything, are you drinking this fine afternoon?
2: I'm having another Lindemann's raspberry beer.
1: Ooh, that's nice. It's mm-hmm. very nice. It's good harvest beer.
2: Well, it's it's barely it's not really beer it's just they call it that but it basically tastes like juice
1: uh alcoholic but, juice but there's booze in it can't go wrong there can't go wrong there at all and uh this week we have a special guest Lori will be joining us Lori, Yay! how's it going
3: hey there going well how's it with you
1: uh i am doing doing great i'm glad to have you here so if, if you were forced to live on a planet of endless ice a planet of endless water or a planet of endless desert which uh would you choose and why
3: I would have to choose the endless water and disagree with everyone here saying that that would be the most torturous. I think that would be the most fun. The landscape would always be changing, all the waves. I mean, right next to desert with Mm -hmm. all the sand dunes. I think there would always be something to look at. I mean, I'd get over the ocean sickness after a while. And in terms of favorite death or way to die, I'd say that among those three, either Freezing, dehydration, or drowning. Mm -hmm. I think drowning would be the the most uh, peaceful way to go.
1: I guess that makes sense. Yeah, you're Mm. thinking this this well out ahead. Mm. It would be kind of terrible to die in the desert. Or to... Well, yeah.
2: Drowning's the fastest, but according to another Christopher Nolan movie, Mm. drowning was torture.
1: True. Well, I imagine that any form of horrible environmental-related death is torturous. But... I do like that, that, Laura, you were thinking so far ahead. <laughs> no, that's good. That's very good. And what, if anything, are you drinking this fine afternoon?
3: Uh, going with the juice theme, I am drinking a very juice-like red wine, Apothic
1: Red. Ooh. And nice. uh, Yeah. That sounds delicious and arguably nutritious.
3: It, they are grapes.
1: Yes. <laughs> grapes are fruit. Just like raspberries. Mmm. Uh, we're all very healthy today. <laughs> Um, uh,
0: cool. Well, ginger's a root? Come on.
1: Ginger is a root. Ginger has all sorts of healing qualities, man. do <laughs> us. Yeah, you're, we're all in great shape except me. Jeff Choose. with the moonshine again. Yeah, me with the moonshine. <laughs> now I'll do I'll do my drink first because it's a good segue. I'm I'm drinking uh, Sam Oktoberfest yet again.
2: Nice.
1: I don't think there are any restorative qualities to this beverage <laughs> <laughs> at all whatsoever. I think this can only do bad things to my body, but it tastes good. It does taste good. And let's see, if I were to choose one of those planets... You know, I'm actually going to go with the desert planet. And it's probably just because I like Frank Herbert. <laughs> and that's it. I feel like I feel like desert has a certain majesty to it. Whereas the other two would just be really stark to me. Like, Endless Water would, like... I'd lose my mind. Like, sand I can, like, draw pictures in, even if they blow away. Like, <laughs> I can do stuff with sand, you know? Biggest sandcastle in the world. Right. Whereas ice is, like, too oppressive and water is, uh, you know, too malleable. So. Cool. Uh... <laughs> so let's dive right in with did we like this movie. And I want to start, actually, with... Let's start with Kristen on that one. Kristen, <laughs> did you like this movie?
2: There were parts of this movie That were likable mm-hmm. There were interesting ideas And scenes and concepts That totally flopped in the execution mm. So I don't want my three fucking hours back Necessarily But I don't really think I need to watch this movie again
1: Yeah I think that's pretty fair Did Did any of us want our three hours back At the end of this movie? No no. Dude. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Undecided. <laughs> Undec- Whoa. Undecided, So wow. if you had, like, a wormhole that you could go
2: through. Oh, no, you can't go backwards in time. Mm. Yeah, there was,
1: there was some confusion about the time <laughs> stuff, for sure. I uh, Someone on Reddit published an, an image of the timeline of the movie with, like, all of the flowchart complexity. And uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild. But, yeah, I like... Oh, God. I, like, sort of like the... M- I wanted to like the movie. Yeah. I think I think my, my attitude walking out of it would have been, like, going up to the Nolans or to anyone involved in the movie and being like, I really appreciate that you tried.
2: <laughs> good for you.
1: Because I think you're right. I think there's a good movie in there somewhere. There, there are actually probably, like, six good movies yeah. in there somewhere. <laughs> there are, like, six good movies in that movie. Yeah. And they're all, like, really rough around the edges or, like, partially complete. You know, Rob. What about you? What do you think?
0: I don't want my three hours back. I thought um, a majority of it was well spent. I thought that the first half of the movie, I thought the first ninety minutes was fantastic. Actually, it's ended up not being one of my favorite Christopher Nolan movies, but for like a good stretch, I thought that it might be. And then it's right around, right around the uh, the Ice Planet, and uh, we already know right spoiler Dan- warning,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, we are already in the spoiler warnings, but uh, with the Matt Damon appearance. Matt Damon, uh, and Matt, Matt Damon, Damon, through no through no fault of his own. Yeah, uh, oh. it's just where it's just where he appears in the story. But it's right around that sequence where I was like, "Okay, I've seen this movie before, but let's keep watching." And then like, by an hour later, I was like, "What is happening?" And I kind of gave up there. So it's hard to evaluate because I thought that that first ninety minutes was so promising and good when I think back to the movie I think of those first 90 minutes like Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to trying to block the rest of it out it's difficult I don't think I'm gonna race to watch it again Mm -hmm. but I'm glad that I saw it and it it is ambitious it is a lot of movies in one and uh, I think that's both to its credit and to its its downfall a little bit
1: right before it spiraled Into a toilet, like black hole. (laughs) Uh, Lori, what about you? What do you think of this movie?
3: I really, really hated this movie. I like, I could not stop raving afterwards. And the first thing I did when I woke up the next day was think that was such a stupid minute with piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't deal with it. No, and I the reason I hate it so much is that it had so much potential. And there were parts of it that were really great, like some of the acting was phenomenal. It just did nothing with it. It's like seeing... it's like seeing this perfectly frosted cake and being so excited about it and cutting into it and finding raw chicken in the middle. It's like, you can't eat that. (laughs) Raw chicken in the
1: middle of the... Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the greatest analogy. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah.
3: I I loved like there were some great parts in there, and just as a whole, I'd probably you know punch books out of the wall to tell myself to bring more whiskey <laughs> to to, to uh, the viewing.
1: Oh, that's beautiful! St- bring booze <laughs> to the movie. <laughs> uh, no, no she, that's great.
2: She's so right, like. Even like the elements, the technical stuff, Like I thought the music was beautiful, but none of it was earned. Like the music was trying to convince me that this is an important scene, this is a touching <laughs> scene, but my brain was working, so I'm like, nah, it's not. And like the visual effects, so much of this movie was like through perspective, like through someone's windshield. Yeah. And I wanted like a close up of a gloopy star just being destroyed by a black hole. Instead I'm like seeing it through a windshield
1: and five layers of glass.
2: Like, no, I don't care about their perspective. I want to see it. I want to see space. That's why I'm here.
1: That's an interesting point. I actually don't know if I agree with you. I, I liked the kind of human-centric yeah. perspective of those sequences. And I agree that, like, I guess it, it would have been cool to see a wider, more objective perspective on some of those shots. If it had been done really well, but I, I liked being inside the spaceship with them when yeah, they went yeah I I, have the wormhole, to, but... I agree
0: with Jeff I actually like that too and yeah. particularly some of the the angles that just appeared like they were like actual cameras mounted to the side of the spaceship mm-hmm. um, felt like NASA footage that I'd actually seen before and I, th- I thought that was really well done.
2: Yes, but that's part of the bigger problem with there's so much perspective issues with this movie. Like, (laughs) I had literally no clue what I was looking at for the entire, that whole docking, spinning sequence. Like, I knew it was happening. I understood what they were going with that. Right. Um, And Christopher Nolan has a problem with this before, and I've defended him because someone did a whole video about in Dark Knight during the whole chase scene with Harvey Dent and the Joker, uh, and it's really confusing and everything, but that's, like, good guy, bad guy, we get it. In mm-hmm. this, like, I, you know, we've got two, like, transporter ships, and I can't tell which one's which, like, which right. one's Matt Damon, which one's mm-hmm. them. And, like, they're detaching, and at one point, you know, you think that Matthew McConaughey is sitting next to Anne Hathaway, and he's not. Yeah. At that, all. Yeah.
0: That was really. Could not tell what was disparate.
2: happening.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> when that happened, I was like, I literally thought they were sitting next to each other. And yeah. they're not apparently.
2: <laughs> they're in completely like different Yeah,
0: different, yeah, like,
1: exactly. yeah.
2: Across the ship from each other. That yeah. was
1: maybe the most clumsy moment of the movie for, yeah. for like so many different reasons. Not just in terms of the execution or the camera work or, or the visuals, mm. but just in terms of the the emotional impact that that decision's supposed Peace. to make. It was like <laughs> it was like non-existent. Yeah, yeah. You know. yeah,
0: right. Because you're like, wait, wait, where are they? I thought. Yeah. Their chair was over there. Yeah, that was clumsy.
3: You don't know if he is trying to be a martyr or if he is screwing her over. I had no mm-hmm. idea. Like, yeah. She's sitting out in space to sit there with an empty fuel tank.
0: Yeah, It's like, right.
3: it's like I'm going to leave you alone to go crazy while I go self-destruct.
2: Yeah, like, they talk about their, their plan is, like, to slingshot around the rings of the black hole or whatever, and he's the one who knows how to do that. Did, did he tell her how to drive the ship after he leaves? I don't think so.
1: Right. There, there's a lot of decision-making throughout the movie that seems like it was an attempt at creating a kind of complex web of, of I guess, you know, emotional interpretation that, that was really interesting but instead of it doing that, it was just messy and bad. <laughs> like um, the argument that they have about which planet to go to, where she starts talking about love, and then mm-hmm. he is attempting to be more rational. Oh, well, and then like, you're no here because yeah. of your daughter. Like, come on. Right. Exactly. It's it's a, like later, his his emotional attachment to his family is totally validated, but like
2: mm-hmm.
1: hers, it's it, it it's I I feel like. The intention wasn't to make her seem incorrect. The intention was actually to make her seem correct, mm-hmm. but the scene didn't do a good job of that.
2: She it does call like,
1: him on it later. She does yeah. say,
2: "I hope you'll be as object- you know, uh, objective later when you know if we choose to go home or not." So right. That made it a little bit better, but still, through the whole scene. I'm like, "You son of a bitch."
1: Yeah, that's that's totally true. But at the same time, like the movie is about like love, weirdly. Yeah. Like, the movie is about, like, the stuff she says that he disagrees with is, like, what the movie mm-hmm. attempts to reinforce. And it doesn't do a good job of connecting those two things. Like, as a viewer, you kind of end that scene thinking, like, oh, she's wrong, or something yeah. like that. And, and it's like, why, why have her say something that you are trying to convey as wrong when the rest of the movie is about why she's right? You know, right, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. And the
3: conversation just felt like it, it came from a place of realism because there kind of, was a moment that kind of let us in on a conversation we didn't see. Mm-hmm. And that seemed very out of place with the narrative we had been given so far. I feel like all a lot of the other things we had at least seen an attempt at giving us a little bit of backstory so we understood forward motion,
1: mm-hmm.
3: whereas that was kind of out of nowhere. And I feel like that was a, a theme of the kind of errors that proceeded from that moment where they're trying to mix phantasm and realism in such uneven way that it's hard to know what, what you know and should know and know what is, what is supposed to surprise
1: you. Yeah.
2: Without feeling like you've missed something.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of moments through the movie where, where you kind of end up looking up and saying, like, did I miss something?
2: I will give the movie credit for it's fairly deft world building, at least on yeah. Earth. Like when they have they're sitting down to dinner and everything is corn and it's just like, Oh god, that's terrible. <laughs> But like even, you know, the conversation the parent teacher conversation that he has. Um mm-hmm. it's a little more on the nose, it's a little more obviously like this is the world we're in, but still like they do it fairly quickly and in an interesting way. And like also, you know, it's also a character moment at the same time as explaining like what the world view is at that point. So stuff like that I thought was fairly well handled. Like the dialogue is all fairly solid on like a line by line basis.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to go jump in and agree and one of the reasons I love the beginning of the movie so much is what Kristen is is mentioning, the world-building, I thought the stuff on Earth actually, with a few exceptions, um, Mm -hmm. was really well done and actually was surprised with the time that the movie took on Earth before we actually get into space to establish a lot of those character things because there were actually a a couple of character moments once they actually are on the mission, aren't in space, that I thought were actually pretty poignant. Um, I think after the wave planet when Matthew McConaughey goes back to and watches 30 years of his mm-hmm. kids' messages was like actually really affecting and mm-hmm. um, done really well and probably my favorite part of the movie. It was pretty heartbreaking, I thought. But that was all based on uh, the work that the movie did early on, I thought. Anyway, I thought it paid off.
2: I just wish they'd aged up the other astronaut a little bit more. Because, like, mm-hmm. they threw some gray in his beard, and, like, I wanted that to be more starkly obvious that it's been 23 years. Yeah, was
0: that not a, a mindfucker or when they got back from the, the wave yeah. planet and it was, like, 23 years? and yeah. There was, like, an audible gasp in my theater when that, that happened. It the, was really cool.
2: It was cool, but I wish it had been more visually obvious.
0: Yeah, uh, right.
1: I, I wish also, I mean, it's, it's one of the many ideas in the movie that are great ideas that don't get explored, like, to the extent that they deserve, like, 23 years would drive a person crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I don't care how long he slept or didn't sleep, like, he would be insane. Yeah. Like, human beings cannot be alone for 23 years. Like, human beings can't be alone for, like, three months. <laughs> like, like solitary confinement destroys human beings. And he was already so, pretty fragile to begin with. Exactly. He yeah. wasn't exactly like Captain Stalwart uh, amongst their crew. <laughs> like, and and it's, like, it's it doesn't get really addressed beyond that one moment of, like, I didn't think you guys were coming back. And then it's like, oh, he's just sort of fine. How does he remember how to talk to people? Like, he's got a robot buddy, sure, but, like, I don't know. I don't think robot buddy would, like, maintain your social skills for... Because he was probably, what, like, 30 before? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, he was not, you know, uh, it's, like, almost half of his life was by himself. Mm-hmm. Like
3: no, he had a humor about him that was not uh, would not be normal. He didn't
1: seem desperate enough. It was more like a oh did you fall in type thing. Yeah. No, I yeah. think it would have been pretty interesting to play with like that guy being crazy.
0: Uh, yeah, or something
2: yeah. like that. And and I, and I thought he was. I, I mean, I thought that's where the movie might be going.
1: Mm, yeah,
0: but the movie well, didn't have room for it because there was another well, the guy it, it who went did crazy. just with another character with yeah. the Matt Damon character. Right. Exactly.
2: Yeah, Oh yeah. man, when they, they cut to the robot He's like, oh yeah, I had to dismantle it and I was like, nope, no he didn't He really, really didn't
1: mm-hmm. Guys, yeah.
2: watch out
1: Yeah, I want to yeah. say that that was You know, it's tough It's, it's difficult to Accuse that of being too predictable Because mm-hmm. in a way It's sort of homage to like what happens In every space exploration movie like, one person or machine or something goes crazy, inevitably. Yeah.
2: But, like, the little um, subplot, like, it, it was barely necessary.
1: Yeah, that's true, too.
0: Yeah, that's what made it. There were two things. One was that it, it didn't feel earned in the way that Kristen was explaining earlier, like, actually a number of things in the movie felt. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I, I feel like I've seen that plot at least three times and done a little bit better, or at least with a little more pizzazz.
2: Or
3: faster.
0: Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Think, it's, it's yeah. sat on the twist too long.
3: I think they would have had to take it further in order for us to actually be shocked at this revelation that, oh, everything's, everything's been faked.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing that really matters about everything being faked is that now Cooper's daughter, she thinks that he left her, like on purpose and with no intention of coming back. And so it's the betrayal that's the only thing that really matters to the entire plot. Because if the through line is the emotional relationship between the daughter and Cooper, then that's all you kind of need out of that whole twist, is is her realizing that this
1: was kind of a doomed quest. Yeah, on a broad note, with the exception of a few moments, I actually just didn't buy their family. Like as a family, mm. or or any of the relationships, they just didn't. I don't know if it was a, a casting error or a directorial error or what, but like, you know, it's interesting, Rob, that you talk about liking the first half of the movie so much. And I agree, there there are a lot of good sort of cerebral setups throughout the first half, but at the end of the day, like, I didn't feel any legitimate emotional connection between like the father, the son, and the daughter. Until the scene you're describing when he watches them, you know, 30 years yeah. worth of, of messages. Like, that was the moment where, like, it got me. And, like, even when, when he's sitting there, like, crying with her on the bed about leaving, I was like, I I don't really, like, I don't buy you as a father-daughter for some reason. So this isn't really emotionally affecting me at all. Um, Interesting.
0: I think I bought it more than you. I think there are a lot of things working against this subplot. But the plot where Jessica Chastain is trying to get her brother, it, all that stuff. I didn't you know. know. It becomes was I'm like, what is going... Uh, yeah, it just felt a little, not tacked on, but it was just like the one plot like that I feel like the movie didn't have any more room for. Like, I was trying to keep so much, this tower of... of of stuff and stakes and explanations and exposition in my head and this kept happening in this farmhouse I don't know why we keep going back to this are we gonna find a solution to something in space in right. this, this kid's lungs or something like what is happening yeah. so that was the one part of the movie that felt like a little fatty like it could have been trimmed a little bit
2: well I yeah. thought they were going with that is that it sounded like she was thinking about going into space and Cooper was going to come back and so I was thinking like the stay was actually meant for her and that it was going to be something where they miss each other where he comes back just as she's leaving and that's where I thought that whole plot line was going
1: for a while oh uh, that would have been interesting I know kind of a Twilight zone thing
3: speaking of the relationship Murph's and uh Cooper's the end scene where Murph is in the hospital bed surrounded by Children, grandchildren, and she <laughs> sees her
1: father for
3: the first time in like fifty.
1: Uh, uh, who knows? Hundred years. Uh, something. Yeah.
3: And she's like, "Okay, I've seen you, but you shouldn't see me die. So, bye."
0: Yeah. Bye. Well, I, that I, made that... absolutely
3: no sense to me. That felt so cold. Yeah. yeah right. I'm did. gonna
2: defend it. Oh, you a are. little bit. I think that's Christopher Nolan trying to win back her her autonomy, because so much of the movie is about her and her daddy issues. Yeah. And that whole scene is trying to convey in one tiny little scene that she managed to move on. Right. Like, I'm over you? Not necessarily I'm over you, but like, my life isn't about you anymore. Because it was. Like, she became a scientist, so she could find out, she could fix this problem so he could come home. I mean, that's what I took from it. So now that she's like, okay, you didn't actually abandon me. We do love each other. That's cool. I have my life now and because yeah. he wasn't a part of her life for 80 years and you know you don't see someone for 80 years but you're like secure in their your relationship with them i mean I, there's you right. get less close to them
0: yeah, yeah. I, I agree and i i i do think that it's hard to imagine from any of our perspectives what that what mm-hmm. uh, like a correctly Performed scene or how emotional that scene would be, and I, I think Kristen is hitting on the head a little bit where it would actually be very bizarre, and it might not be like the the tear fest that we would imagine because we're watching this in a space of three hours. When actually, in the timeline of the movie, it's happening over a much greater period. But I do think on another level, like I think the audience, I think you need to. Take the put the audience in mind in a scene like that. So I do see Laurie side a little bit where it's just like, okay, we're waiting for this the whole movie, and oh, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. I guess that was it. So <laughs> that's the end of the movie. So yeah, I'm, I, I was a little checked out at that point too. So I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I did it didn't hit me as hard even if it was like this big blubbering tear fest. I don't know if it would have hit me hard because I was just like pretty stunned at that point
1: yeah the also the complete abandonment of Coop's relationship with his son irked me a little bit and I, I won't say you know that it happened right away because obviously he still cared when he was seeing messages from him but I mean the culmination at the end of the movie is all about him reuniting with his daughter and it's almost like he doesn't even ask about his son which is weird because like you know his son is the one who's sending him all the messages and like you know, even 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 early in the movie too. There's like a when he fi- it's like he finds out his son's not going to college and he gets upset about that. But I think that's like the last really legitimate thing he has to say about his son throughout the entire movie. Uh, beyond like my son, I know he'll be fine, but I'm mm-hmm. worried about my daughter. That just bugged me. Uh,
0: yeah, that's definitely like some some deliberate. How do I want to put this? It's emotional shunting by the screenwriting. It's basically saying like. We need a character who's going to continue to run the farm because we need the farm later. But we don't want the <laughs> audience. To, but we don't want right. the audience to care about that character. Like yeah. we need. We need to focus need to on the, the Murph character. <laughs> really, yeah, yeah. It's 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 very sort of mechanical screenwriting in terms of mm-hmm. pulling people around like chess pieces and not necessarily like people. And I think it was not as elegantly done as Nolan's done in the past because it, there were definitely some lines where it's like I know the son I can't remember his name is gonna be okay and it's just like how do you how do you know that he's right. what, he's, he's like 14 or something when you' yeah. like, so um, his fucking
2: daughter he, he, died he's great
0: yeah he's right peachy. so I, I hear you saying Jeff
1: mm-hmm. well on that note I think it is time for us to take a quick refill break but we will be back with some more interstellar discussion hear me sequence where Coop falls into uh, the fifth dimension.
2: Rob, what do you call it?
0: Uh, yeah, it's like a, a giant plaid shirt that's, that's full of bookcases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the hell was that? Spaceball 1. They've
1: gone to plaid.
0: That's what it looked like.
1: That's exactly yeah. what it is. The <laughs> futures is plaid.
0: Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most sort of extreme, you know, kind of abstract sci-fi moments of the movie, but, um, yeah. I don't know, let's start with Laurie on that one. What did you think of of that whole thing? I was a little upset
3: how that wasn't just a pre-death trip out. Mm. I was sure he was dead. I was sure that's where this movie was going, and waking up after that kind of weird dimensional stuff felt very strange to me. Mm.
2: Yeah, and, I was I was waiting for it. To, it's all in his mind, sort of. Yes. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. I'm not exactly clear how he got there. Um, I I mean I know what there, you know what the theory behind that was, but it, it still made no sense to me. Mm-hmm. It, it it wasn't fantastical enough for me to take myself out of reality, and it wasn't logical enough to for me to believe it.
0: It w- yeah. It was so out there and like. I feel like this movie went out of its way to show its work in terms of (laughs) space travel and theoretical quantum physics. It's like every turn it's showing you that, like, hey, we did our homework. And then there's this this climactic sequence at the end, which is like such like a, a Mickey Mouse Sequence of oh, I so fantastical, so nonsensical. I mean, visually interesting for sure, but just totally relying on magic, and that's where the movie I think really fell apart for me. And I, I realized that like, oh, this is no longer my my favorite Nolan movie. And uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how you can go from that sort of that world building and that that sort of realism, space travel to a sequence like this. And, and still expect your audience to be 100% on board. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I like the idea of it, the idea of like a through the looking glass sort of thing where you're trapped on the other side of a scene that you're watching and you can't do anything about it is a concept I really like, but again, it just wasn't earned. Like I, I, that scene should have felt horrifying. And part of it was because I knew this was about relativity going in and so as soon as they're like, someone's sending a message to the bookcase, I'm like, oh, it's the dad." Yeah. Like, I sort of guessed uh-huh. that immediately. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so there was no reveal during that scene. And so right. there was no emotional impact. So any of the horror involved when he's freaking out because he is yelling at himself, like, when, yeah, I sort of knew this was going to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I can't blame you for that. Honestly, I mean, I'm going to segue a little bit and just say, like, we, we saw this movie at a uh, a theater in Braintree, Massachusetts, which is on the south shore of Massachusetts. And we had numerous... And We saw a 10 p.m. showing and walked out at 1 a.m. Yeah. Uh, along with a crowd of... Uh, a great south shore crowd. And we overheard <laughs> many funny, humorous things. There was a child with his father who said, You know, every time I go to the movies, people clap at the end. But at the end of this one, no one was clapping. Thing. <laughs> like, oh. We had applause. My
2: fear yeah. had applause.
1: Oh yeah, what um, did uh, what did the dad say? Do you remember? No,
3: I, oh. did, I didn't hear what the dad said. But I want to say that's a there's a reason for that kid. Let me tell you. <laughs> come <laughs> here, come here.
1: Yeah, and then just uh, a lot of other South Shore people like, oh god, get out of here, leave <laughs> one a.m. But uh. <laughs> You know, I, I think I think a lot of people though were were just sort of mentally exhausted. You know, one a.m. Uh, after watching kind of that three-hour marathon of a movie, we're just like, "Phew." <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess you know maybe by the time we got to the tesseract sequence for me, given that it was so late at night and you know end of a long work week, that kind of thing, I was just like, "Am I awake?" And still watching this movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> Have I have I started dreaming? And then maybe the hospital scene or, or the baseball scene where he hits the ball and it flies up to the, you know, mm-hmm. through the window of the house that's on the ceiling of the oh, whatever yeah. space oh, station that they know. The
2: thing that they got. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. How many oh. people are on Earth that they rescued in these things? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So, you know, we've been we've been harping on kind of certain weird things or things that we felt were incomplete in this movie, but I do want to focus a little bit on moments that we really liked. So let's start with Rob on that one. Rob, did you have, like, a, a favorite moment or a moment that you wanted to, to highlight about this movie? Oh,
0: oh, favorite moment. I mean, I think my favorite part of the movie is the moment where um, McConaughey is reviewing 30 years of his kids' messages just because that felt... Like sort of the emotional center of the movie, but in terms of like the cool cool stuff, like I love the robots. We haven't talked about the robots at all. Mm. Um, oh, the robots are great! It, yeah, a, a really different take on what robots look like. They're basically like monoliths. I think they're sort of like a not a, one of many. Tip of the hats to uh, two thousand one and they also are very benevolent i would say robots and just the way you would think that a, a monolithic robot would not be versatile but and i think they cheated like a lot of the spatial stuff with the robots as the movie progressed we saw like different sort of iterations of what these robots could sort of like contort themselves into and i thought that was really awesome it's like they have hands um, now what the shit yeah they have hands And like one, one was like cartwheeling like in the water. It's like, man, this is awesome. Yeah, so so I know that was really cool. So I, I did enjoy. I think it was, uh, was it Tars and Case? Mm -hmm, I think they're the two robots in it. Yeah, I thought they were great. And honestly, I loved. We talked about this a little bit, but you know what the movie did with time in general, like. um, It reminded me of Inception. I feel like as Inception sort of explored on the micro level within the mind how we perceive time, this like extrapolated that idea to the macro level in terms of how time sort of operates on a cosmic level. Um, So I, I do felt like there was like a through line there between Inception and interstellar. And I feel like when a director does that and starts riffing on one idea throughout multiple films, I don't know, that gets me excited. And I do think even though in the scene with the one astronaut gets left alone for 30 years or whatever, I do feel like that was glossed over a little bit. I do like that this movie did feel more about time than space and that that was really interesting to me and I'm glad that he went there with that.
2: Oh god! Every time they talk about time and space, though, I just think of Troy and Abed. <laughs> yeah, Inspector a lot of time.
1: Of it. Yeah, or uh, or time is a flat circle. Yeah. <laughs> mhm. 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 So, Kristen, what about you? Did you have a, a particular kind of favorite moment or thing or anything like that?
2: I do like the stuff with time, especially because time travel does tend to wrinkle my brain. I get a little hung up on it. Mm-hmm. And so when they were talking about the wormhole, the wormhole looked great. And also when they were explaining it and, you know, how we folded the paper in half and I was like, Oh, okay. That makes a little bit of sense. Mm-hmm. And, or when they were talking about how time is a resource and they're saying like, if we go to this planet, one hour is seven years. And they're kind of explaining it in that way. That was helpful to me. Yeah, Right. Um, for actual moments, I actually really liked how they cut from cooper driving away and the dust he was kicking up to the spaceship taking off oh yeah i really like hans zimmer can't help it Mm -hmm. i like a little bombast and uh that was like i think it was the main theme of the movie because it came back near the end and it was really beautiful music it was a little too overblown it was one of those things that wasn't exactly earned right even though that was one of the most like overtly emotional parts Mm -hmm. of the movie but i I did like the intercutting especially because it meant oh good no training montage
1: Um, yeah seriously
2: but uh, I also, I really liked the little girl who played Murph. Mm. I thought she was great. So, I mean, she basically had to lie there and cry a lot. But...
1: Yeah. She, she, she cried, uh, she like, the crier. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, cool. Laurie, what about you? Did you have any particular moments that you really liked?
3: Yeah, I think the scene where, uh, Matt Damon dies, or, uh, Dr. Miller, Dr. Miller dies, I really enjoyed that part. I like that it wasn't a super dramatic death. It was kind of a couple steps removed from that. It had a lot of realism in there instead of, you know, having this huge moment where our, our villain dies. Mm-hmm. It's just this uh, overwhelming silence. And yeah. we're, we're watching Anne Hathaway watch the explosion through the window. And he doesn't even get to say anything or speak. He says yeah, two like words.
0: It was, yeah, I like how the speech gets cut off.
3: Yes, and he's just sucked out. Like, there's no time for any of this dramatic, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do because it's the right thing. It's just like, whoop, you're gone.
2: Some jittery asshole stole that moment from me because they were nervous and started laughing through that whole scene. I'm like, oh, yeah, I was pissed because people were talking about how they actually did silence in space. But no, some asshole three rows behind me is laughing his ass off Mm. because he jumped like the rest of us with the explosion. I was so pissed.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Even though uh, several of the side characters don't really make enough of an impression for you to, like, really remember their names or anything, a lot of the side character deaths were similar. Like, the guy who gets swept away oh, by the wave. Oh, Future Beard. He yeah. does not do well in the future. <laughs> future right, Future Beard as well. But yeah, I don't I don't even remember the guy's name who oh, dies on the wave plane. Doyle. Doyle, yeah, or whoever. Like... First off, he he like moves in slow motion trying to get back on the spaceship. It's like, what are you doing, guy? It's like um, the water's but,
2: not that deep. It's like up to your yeah,
1: ankles. seriously. And then, um, but but when he gets swept away, it's just sort of like you see him get swept away and he's just gone. Like, yeah, a bullshit
2: shot of him like lying in the water. It's like, oh come That's on. That's true. We didn't need that. buddy. Yeah.
0: No, I, I I like that shot. That's a good shot. So I was I thought like maybe he's still alive somewhere so I needed that shot I needed that shot for closure
1: no that's true because it does again the the him getting swept away thing is very sudden it's like it's like oh all yeah. of a sudden the water is too much for him but I like that it, it felt very authentic and like kind of real but yeah I, I think my favorite moment was probably the water planet just the 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 realization that they were giant waves just because like uh, that concept of having like this giant gravity sucking black hole creating this massive tidal wave that just rotates around like i just loved that i thought that was so cool you
2: know how you and tidal wave uh wave in deep water <laughs> no that's
1: the point though <laughs> is that like all of the water is sucked up into the waves by the gravity okay Like that's, that's, that's science. That's science, Kristen. And it's, uh, and it's cool science too. It's like, it's like our planet works that way too. It's just the moon does not exert much of a gravitational pull. So, I mean, the tide comes in and the tide goes out, but like the overall depth of water is not affected drastically except for areas where the water is shallow. It's like on this planet, the gravity is so powerful that like the water is influenced really heavily by it. Now of course there are several things about that right. that don't make sense w- yeah, in right. terms of the spaceship and the people and everything like right. you know when well, they're in the wave they would be like sucked up into the sky but um, but it was also, just it was still just cool
0: right it was cool and I I did get what they were going for there but there wasn't that all that water was stationary. They really needed. They really needed a shot where, like, uh, suddenly a current started to pick up and it was maybe moving things along. That may would have made it maybe more harrowing and more expensive, but uh, <laughs> it was. It was. It did have like that sort of surreal scape of like this is all. This is like a. It's like a four inch ocean, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't see anything else. And then the huge wave. Yeah. yeah no, so it, like was re- it was huge. it's cool.
2: humongous in the distance.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's right. pretty
2: cool. And I like how it. You know. It screws up their plan by being something so mundane that, like, the ship is waterlogged. Yeah. Is what keeps it behind. Although they seem to shake it off fairly quickly as well. Like, oh, we'll just burn, like, the afterburners. It's fixed. Like, then what was the problem before? But right. it, it was interesting. It's just like, oh, there's too much water in the engine, so now we're going to waste 23 years down here.
1: Yeah, exactly. The The frustration there was uh, was pretty interesting, and I, I feel like they, they pulled it off well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. So uh, at this point, I want to take us into final thoughts and ratings for this movie. So let's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just do the standard order for this episode. Let's start with Rob on that one. Rob, you got any final thoughts?
0: Oh, geez. It was flawed and ambitious, but I thought interesting. And I know I keep harping on the beginning and those first uh, 90 minutes or so. I so rarely go to the theater anymore and feel like I'm in good hands and for like a really long stretch felt like this was going to be good and I felt like it was really working that made a big impression on me even after the bonkers ending so I am a, a Christopher Nolan fan this is not my favorite film of his but I think it is worth seeing if if you're a fan of his if you're a fan of a uh, sort of like the space opera and you know he's definitely jamming in that genre i still think that this is worth seeing once even though the end comes off pretty much as like walt disney's version of 2001 or something like uh, i do think that there's enough good stuff in there and a really truly impressive stuff that it, it's it's worth uh one spin
1: mm-hmm. one spin I like one that. one spin
0: yeah i like that
1: so rob on a scale of one to five all right all right all right what would you uh <laughs> think of this movie?
0: I'm going to give this, out uh, of five, I think I'll give this movie three, three all rights. Three. So nine it's all just...
1: rights. Yeah, right. you
0: yeah. Can you, can you give
1: me nine all right. rights?
0: Oh, God.
1: <laughs> um, I believe in you.
0: I have to count them. All right, 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 all right. All right. All right, <laughs> all right, all right. That was way too fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. from Texas. I gotta got, got work on my draw. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So let's move on to Kristen. Kristen, uh, what are your final thoughts on Interstellar?
2: So when I was watching this movie, I basically wanted to go home and watch Sunshine, Apollo Thirteen, and The Dark Knight Rises uh, mm. because it made me think of all of those. And like we mentioned before, this is like six different movies, and I wish it. had been one really good movie and so you know it was an okay version of like a bunch of different genres and movies and usually i'm willing to overlook a lot of things if i can sense the ambition i'm an alexander defender and that movie is nothing if not ambitious but this one it just didn't get me through it i think the lack of emotion which is weird because this is like the most melodramatic but it just—it was so surface level that I, you know, I wasn't bored necessarily during this movie, but I wasn't really invested either.
0: Right. Um.
2: Th- there was some spectacle, but it wasn't quite as grand as I wanted. And what I uh, was really thinking of is this movie needed what uh, Kevin Lee—he did a video about Spielberg movies and he called it Spielberg face, where like in all of his movies, there's something grand that happens and everyone just stands there in awe, and. When Kevin, who I used to work with, he made this video, at this video essay, and I thought like, you know, it seems sort of obvious at the time, but now that I've seen a movie that doesn't have that, I understand how important it is to have this sense of awe and wonder or horror, something, just more reaction shots of people actually reacting to the things that are around them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And there was very little of that. It was mostly in Anne Hathaway and not even a lot. And so this movie needed 100% more Spielberg face. Right. Um,
1: It was Anne Hathaway and that one baseball player who saw the dust storm. Right. (laughs) Like, literally, that one guy does Spielberg face, and that's it.
2: I mean, like, think about Jurassic Park. Like, you know, there's an entire scene. that's just people standing there staring at something in awe and, like, having a panic attack about it. Like, we needed more of that. You're in the vacuum of space. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right there's definitely like a moment of like well there it is when they're like looking at the wormhole and I was Yay! like everyone should be shitting themselves right now like you you're about to go through that thing <laughs> yeah. and nobody knows it's on the other side mm-hmm. so yeah I, I actually I I I've seen that Spielberg face thing and I've actually sort of like, wrinkled my nose at it but now that I think Kristen's right I, I do think that that at least at one big moment like that, especially in terms of all the cool space stuff that we saw. I mean, it, that's, that's in the movie. Yeah, there's very little awe from the, the, mm-hmm. these characters.
1: Yeah. So, Kristen, on a scale of one to five rapidly rotating robots, what do you give this movie?
2: The exact amount that were in the movie, two and a half.
1: Ah, two and a half—not bad. That—that <laughs> that was well played, by the way. Thank that was you. not planned, audience. <laughs> that was not planned, but it worked out perfectly. It Thanks, buddy. It worked out perfectly. Nice. Cool. So let's move on to Lori. Lori, what are your final thoughts on Interstellar?
3: Looking back over all the problems I have with this movie, I think they could all be remedied by making this into a book. I don't think we have nearly enough time with the characters and the situations and explanation to really get attached to any of that. So I will wait for the novel of this movie. Um, <laughs> as a movie, it just felt really, you see, it was kind of emotionally torturous for me because I'd get attached to something and then something really stupid would happen and be like, wait, what? You just you just won me over. What are you doing? And it was that back and forth for a couple of hours. I would not see this in IMAX. I would not recommend anyone see this in IMAX. It'll just make the disappointment bigger. <laughs> oh, wow. Oof. I would watch your friend's DVD
1: mm-hmm. at their house. So, Laurie, on a scale of one to five self-important speeches for Matt Damon, what do you give this movie? <laughs> I'm
0: gonna pull a Kristen. Hey, n- now, now you're just playing with, with the precedent then. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> I'm
3: going to pull a Kristen and say, uh, um, I, I would say one less word than Matt Damon gave us in the movie. Just one. One. A
1: gasp and a half a word. <laughs> I see. I see. All right. So a, one, a whopping one out of five. Wow. Oh, jeez. Alright. So, um, let's see. My final thoughts. You know, I want. it's cliche, but I, I kind of want to use the phrase beautiful disaster to describe this movie. It's a lot of really great ideas, and it's, it's kind of botched by just how many great ideas are trying to compete with each other. No single great idea gets really the presentation and uh, kind of thorough examination that it deserves. One second, we'll have this incredible emotional sort of sequence where uh, crying and watching his family grow up in, you know, 30-second clips. But but 30 minutes before that, you'll have Michael Caine saying, like, well, you're the best pilot I've ever known. And it's like, really, this this movie's going to pull that shit? Like, the, the, this is the best pilot in the world who has just stumbled in here. So clearly he will pilot this vessel. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Laurie's right in that like there, are, there are so many moments that are just kind of stupid. They're just kind of dumb. I, I definitely did not hate it. I don't want my three hours back, but I, I will probably never watch this movie again. I'll probably watch clips, like I'll watch certain parts of it again, but I'll, I, I doubt I'll sit through the whole thing again. So for me, on a scale of oh one to five abandoned Anne Hathaways, I'll give it. I'll give it 2.5, which I think is the same thing that I gave The Dark Knight Rises, which uh, you know, this is tied for kind of my least favorite Nolan movie with. So, you know, right in the middle. It's it's a, it's a little bit like looking out the window while you're on a long train ride. It's like sometimes you see things that are just beautiful, and sometimes you see a bunch of litter and a bunch of graffiti that is kind of subpar. <laughs> Deep. 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 Uh, so, uh... I think let's let's actually go ahead and take another quick refill break, and then we'll be back with Geek the Weekend Wrap. So we will B R B. wrap up this episode the same way we wrap up every episode of This Is Serious Business, and that's with our Geek of the Week segment, where we talk about things we've been watching, reading, doing, or playing that have absolutely nothing to do with whatever we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes to an hour. So, let's start with Rob on that one. Rob, what have you been up to lately?
0: Ugh. Oh, I hate you, Jeff. <laughs> I always You're doing, doing this to me. Every, yeah, night, every single yeah. week,
1: I'm like, oh, Rob's on. Let's, uh, let's make him
0: do this. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you bastard. Um, man... <laughs> I'm about to go see Birdman. Can I just? Yes. Can I report back about Birdman? God, Birdman uh, is so soon as awesome. I've heard. Oh, did you see it?
1: Uh yeah, we both saw it. Lori and I saw it. Mm-hmm.
0: It's oh, fucking amazing. And it's good. Yeah. Uh, I well, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm about to do that in uh, about half hour. So, um, I heard it's great. It's like really long, long shots, is it, or one continuous shot or something? And it's like. A play on Michael Keaton's actual career as Batman and all all the all these wonderful things. And so I'm uh, really looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll report back. I'll report back. This is a two part Geek of the Week. This mm-hmm. is my anticipation version, and later will be my reaction version.
1: Yeah, I think a couple episodes ago, I do I did a
0: Geek of the Week on Birdman. And I, I'm. minute, I'm listening, Rob. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I am, oh, was I'm, that last week? I didn't. I didn't listen
1: last. I don't remember if it was last week or the week it before, but it was just fairly recent. Yeah, yeah. but I, uh, I do, I actually really do want to hear your take on it as well because, uh, okay, it's 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 a movie that is not good in any sort of traditional mass market way. Like it's definitely a little bit more art house. So there's a lot of subjectivity to why you might think it's good if you think it's good. So cool, very cool. All right, uh, let's move on to Kristen. Kristen, what do you got going on?
2: Under the Skin was a movie that came out, I guess, early this year that I never saw, but. There's actually a book of it, and it was a Kindle Daily Deal. It was 99 cents, so I figured I'd absorb the risk on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you guys seen it, the movie? Yeah. Okay, I feel like what little I saw of like the trailer and like clips from the movie, the book was very different. Yeah, um, I read that too. Yeah, I mean, I think if I've seen the final form, so spoilers for under the skin, I guess, uh, it's kind of something akin to... The Hannibal monster? It's like that well, black thing? Oh,
0: oh, um, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't follow you yes. there for a second. Yeah, well, can I spoil this? It's just like a sort of a black salamander person.
2: Oh, okay. Because yeah. in, in the book they're like dogs.
0: Oh, oh, God.
2: <laughs> like space dogs or whatever. Space dogs? Yeah. But it's basically like this whole environmental vegetarian sort of treatise almost it was interesting i mean the use of language was very interesting you know like they refer to human beings but they it's not what you would expect and i thought it was pretty good i gave it a three on goodreads because i take a star off uh my new rule is you get a star demoted uh if there's an unnecessary rape scene mm. so or if you describe if you spend too much time describing a corpse as hot mm. yeah like I don't care how good the rest of it was you lose a star so yeah. that's my new rating but otherwise yeah the book was pretty interesting and it wasn't super long so yeah I read under the skin hmm.
1: cool very cool so let's move on to Lori Lori what
3: have you been up to lately well if there's any kind of geek I am it would be a music geek two weeks ago I went to Chicago to see the David Bowie is exhibit at the MCA yeah modern Museum of contemporary art in Chicago oh, nice. and it was everything I wanted to see and more. It was fabulous. It was, uh... Glitter everywhere. <laughs> That's the funny thing. A lot of the, they had a ton of his costumes, all of the Ziggy costumes, etc. And what struck me the most was that compared to every time I see, like, David Bowie actors or homemade costumes, they're always much more over the top than mm-hmm. what I actually saw in the exhibit. It was great. <laughs> and it just kind of speaks to how a legend can kind of be built up and built up and made into this fantastical character that is just larger than life.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And it was an audio tour which was great. You'd put on headphones and there were sensors on the walls that depending on where you were it would play a different piece of interview or a song or a radio piece or something and if you're in Chicago or going there anytime soon, I'd definitely recommend it.
1: Cool. Very cool. Yeah. It's nice to hear a Geek of the Week that comes from Chicago, because I feel like we, we tend to cover the coasts really well. Um, the coasts or, or the far island of Hawaii. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to, uh, nice to get a little Midwestern stuff in there, because Chicago's got tons of stuff cool stuff that's pretty much constantly going on there. So, cool, very cool. So let's see, what what should I talk about? I've been watching a whole bunch of stuff lately, and I'm trying to to decide. You know, I I think I'll actually talk a little bit about two different shows just in relation to one another, because they happen to be on in the same block on NBC on Fridays, and that's uh, the new season of Grimm and uh, the premiere of Constantine, which I think I've talked about a little bit in the past for Geek of the Week. I continue to watch Constantine, which is now up to its third episode. And I, I learned, of course, that in the comics it's actually pronounced Constantine, which is something that will just never, ever happen in the United States, it would seem. And it's just, it's so terrible. It's, mm-hmm. it's easily one of the worst things I've ever seen. Like, the, the dialogue is, is horrifyingly bad, but I continue to watch it, <laughs> which confuses and, and worries me a little bit. Um, I feel like I need a little introspection on this. Because it's like, like I watched the first episode, and I was like, that was awful! And then I watched the second one, like, maybe it'll be a little better. And it was still awful. And then I watched the third one, thinking maybe it would be a little better. Do you need introspection or an intervention? Yeah,
2: I was about to say, we need to take you into a room.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, (laughs) Your behavior has affected me in the following ways. Right, exactly, (laughs) yes. So Grimm, on the other hand, which I think is in its fourth season has been surprisingly very good, which is weird, because I I think I've talked about Grimm before a little bit, and uh, I always say, like, it's kind of schlocky, it's not, you know, it's fun, but it's not really good, but it's, for a TV show in its fourth season, like, they've got a good continuity going that has consequences, and, like, characters actually develop in ways that are non-circular, it's, it's weird, like, maybe maybe this was the plan from the get-go, like, it, it wasn't going to be just some stupid, like, Monster of the Week thing. They were like, no, we'll have a long-standing plot that, that has a lot of world-building and that will eventually get interesting in a way that makes sense. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's really refreshing to see that happen in a TV series at this point, because normally they're just off the rails, particularly with, like, supernaturally TV series. But I would say Grimm has actually, like, grown into something that I I actively look forward to in terms of just seeing what's going to happen with the characters. So I would recommend giving Grimm a whirl. Again, the first few seasons, it's just kind of silly monster of the week. And now it's still got a bit of monster of the week, but it's got kind of a fascinating world built around that with lots of intrigue and politics and character development. So it's
0: cool stuff.
2: right.
1: So at this point, I want to give people an opportunity to make any shout-outs and to let people know where they can find you online, starting with Rob.
0: You can find me on Twitter at heroes boring.
1: Nice. Let's move on to Kristen.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Nero's
1: liar. And uh, Lori, any place uh, you want people to be able to find you or nah? Uh, I've got nothing. Got nothing? That's fine. It's fine. You remain an enigma to the internets, which I uh, don't blame you for. The <laughs> it's just a terrible place out
3: there. It's a big wave world.
1: a giant wave world (laughs) so you can follow me on twitter at tisbyjeff that's t-i-s-b for this is serious business I haven't been tweeting much lately so I'm going to work on that sorry Rob sorry so disappointed but you can find this podcast online at tisbycast.com along with links to our tumblr our facebook our podcast twitter account which is way 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 better than my twitter account as well as our myspace or whatever the hell else we have (sighs) so as always I I have absolutely no idea how to and this wormhole yeah. of an episode mm.
3: there comes a time
1: <laughs> there's there are moment. moments yeah.
2: <laughs> like tears in the rain yeah.
0: uh, I wonder what he was going to say
1: some bullshit a, I'm what, sure what
0: a bastard he I don't killed know, one of those robots I'll never bullshit. forgive him for that
1: <laughs> yeah that's true god those robots
2: yeah every time they talked about you know they said the word gravity in this movie a lot and I was just saying they're going oh I wish I was watching gravity
1: <laughs> yeah, Gravity's better movie. <laughs> no,
0: it is not. Well, yeah, it better better spectacle.
1: They're different.
3: Okay. Hooray! Ugh. Wait, you gave Dark Knight 2.5?
0: Dark Knight
1: Rises.
3: Dark Knight Rises? He's a well, monster. What's wrong with you?
1: You like the one with Bane? Yeah. The third one? Yeah.
3: I thought I it give was- I it more than
1: 2.5. I thought it was muddy.
2: Monster. Yeah,
1: so maybe, maybe we'll start with the Tesseract.
2: Oh, fucking Tesseract, I swear to Christ. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Enough of the fucking Tester. I know it's like a real thing, but...
1: Yeah.
2: Fucking...
1: <laughs> so maybe I'll start by asking about that and what Just people thought of that Waiting sequence. for Loki on then... rainbow
2: bridge.
3: This is serious business. Alright, alright, alright. Right. <laughs> all alright, alright, alright.